not to start off on like a, a mega serious downer note or anything, but uh, you know, we here at ECL, Elwood City Limits, want to wish all the best to everybody uh, who is on the west coast of, of the USA right now, who is uh, dealing with the the horrible fires and the red skies and all that kind of thing. Yeah, my goodness. I, I heard, I read today that some of the smoke is reaching as close to, you know, places like Winnipeg and, and New Brunswick even, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, really puts things into perspective considering how close those places are to us compared to, you know, the West Coast of the United States. Big time. Like I said, don't want to start off on like a big down note, but I mean, a lot... <laughs> A lot happens in between when we record uh, episodes of Elwood City Limits, the Episodic Arthur podcast, so want to try and remain as relevant as we can and, you know, recognizing that this is a, you know, can, can be a bit of a safe place for some of our listeners, so we are thinking of you and we, uh, even even if you're not on the West Coast, if you're maybe not in the best way right now, I mean, I can imagine that there's a lot of scenarios going on where things are uncertain or maybe even a little perilous, so we're thinking of you, and we want to give you a little something to take your mind off it. Uh, That's right. Hey. We are now entering the fun escape zone. <laughs> and uh, your fun escapees, or your 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 fun, your fun wardens? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, maybe not. Uh, your, your purveyors of fun are myself, Will Young, and my co-host, Lucas Mancini. That's right. We're going to dig a tunnel to the fun zone like Steve McQueen. Uh, create a se- intricate series of pulley systems to get you into the fun zone. Well, and of course, I do, we do say that you know it's gonna it's gonna be all fun here. But Lucas, there's something there's something that's happened in the world of Arthur that we're gonna need to discuss. Uh, and we might as well get it going right off the bat. It's not necessarily for some people. It won't be happy news. Oh, so um, I mean, L- Lucas, do you follow Elwood City Limits on Twitter? Oh yes, I I am a uh, uh, you know I got the notifications turned on for Elwood City Limits on Twitter. That's how much of an avid uh, Elwood City Limits follower I am. Good answer. I was all, testing. All, all good people do. Will I was test? I was testing you there at ECL Podcast. Well, it was about um, uh, two weeks ago that information came out. I believe this was from an account. This is uh, at its peebs on Twitter, who I believe is a listener, put out some information about the upcoming seasons of Arthur, seasons 24 and 25. Now, we know that when Arthur, when the Arthur crew records, uh, when the voice acting crew records seasons, they usually do it several at a time. So apparently season 24, which is the upcoming season, will feature only three episodes, including a remaster of an episode that we will be seeing in season 13, which I find very interesting. And by the time it comes out, we'll probably be able to review both of those uh, together. And the other most, the most important thing is that season twenty-five will feature four episodes. And rumors have it that this, according to production crew and voice actors, season twenty-five will be the final season of Arthur. That's so. I did hear this, and this is why I was kind of confused because I don't know if this is inherently bad news. It's more so interesting. Um, You know, every Mm -hmm. great story has an end. Um, and sometimes, especially for a series as long running and kind of serialized as Arthur is, uh, the end can be just as interesting um, as talking about the story as it goes on. So um, maybe it's because just based on the format of the show, we're co- still quite a bit of a ways out from that date from season 25. Um, but I am actually a little bit uh, cautiously optimistic and interested into seeing what the end of Arthur looks like. As am I. I think you and I would probably both agree that neither of us would really want Arthur to go on indefinitely forever. Um, I no, do. Look at the Simpsons. Of course, I, I do have sympathy for those for those who are uh, who are dreading this or not looking forward to it. But I think that we can definitely face this with a little bit of. I think cautious optimism is the right way to do it, and uh, even excitement. The the name for the final episode seems to be all grown up. So let your mind, let your imagination Whoa. run wild. See that with the that has that has me even more excited. That's that is truly wild. Uh, and there will also be a Arthur Thanksgiving special this year, and then one more hour long special after that. So there's, I mean, listen, 
even though Arthur may be going out, uh, maybe turning the lights off in the bar very soon, uh, hey man, we still got a lot of Elwood City limits uh, on the on our plate. So in a way, Arthur will never really leave in one way or the other. I don't think so. I don't. I'm particularly not very sad or or you know dreading this. I'm just looking forward to new possibilities, and I really would like to see what the end of Arthur looks like. Anyway, just had to get that out of the way because I know a lot of people have that on their minds. In fact, it's the subject of one of our emails over at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. It always seems that everybody knows, maybe even, maybe not even uh, consciously, but it seems like everybody is subconsciously aware of what day we record because I feel like on every recording day I get like two emails right in under the wire so that people can get on the show. And, of course, we look forward to them always. We're going to start off with one here from Kelsey, who wants to say congratulations to Arthur for 25 years and hopes the final episode is bittersweet. Kelsey also has a theory for the final episode. Uh, What if they do the classic clip show and do highlights from different seasons, from classic to current? That would be a great way to say goodbye. I also wonder why they've decided it was time to end the show, even though there was a rumor circling around of Mark Brown being okay with continuing the show. I also hope we get at least a Patrick Ratburn-related episode before the show ends. Me too. Well, and uh, the Frensky star on Instagram uh, brought it brought it to my attention that apparently Mark Brown is getting ready to write the final Arthur book. Yeah, there's a lot of... And I wonder if this is going to be one of those things where it's like... Kind of a weird comparison, but um, the Space Odyssey 2001 movie and the Space Odyssey 2001 novel were kind of being written at the same time. And mm. I wonder if this is going to be the kind of case where the final Arthur book is a little bit reflective of the final Arthur episode and that it kind of, for lack of a better phrase, closes the book on the Arthur storyline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it's it's interesting that they are happening around the same time. Maybe, maybe Mark Brown decided it was time. Who knows? But thankfully, um, unproblematic fave Mark Brown. That's one children's author we can still count on in this day and age. Uh, thank you for that, Kelsey. We did have an anonymous email who was asking if... Arthur ever did Alice in Wonderland, and they had, like, a fan cast for that. They actually did do that briefly in Arthur and the Big Riddle, which is the start of season five. So I was I just going to say, I, I do remember that. Uh, so, yeah, Arthur, uh, the premiere episode, season five. Check that one out if you haven't seen it. Uh, we get one from here from Viv. Uh, howdy, guys. I hope that for the last two seasons... And the last two specials of Arthur, that we will have voice actors to voice the characters with more honesty. Like for Brain, for example. He is black, and he has been voiced by mostly white actors uh, and two Asian voice actors. There's also Mei Lin, Binky's baby sister, who was adopted from China. We haven't met her yet. From what I've researched, it looks like she is not voiced uh, honestly either. I want this to happen soon before the series ends. Well, it's interesting that you say that, Viv, because of course there are a lot of cartoons that are trying to do the same thing, and they're there may be time indeed to do it, but also keep in mind with the Arthur schedules, they usually record these seasons in advance. So they may, whether or not they, whether or not they have or haven't has already been decided and we'll just have to wait and see. And uh, as I'm writing this, I'm starting to wish the show won't end. Not because that I'm sad that it's ending, which I am, but because I want more seasons for the Arthur series to tackle more, um, more issues like race, religion, and LGBTQ plus issues for all the human characters of all ages and gender. Uh, that want might not come true, but either way, I'm going to write some episodes for the show. I'm going to post these episodes on my Wattpad page. If you want to follow Viv, it's at Valerie Skies. I mean, uh, that, that, that kind of plays into, I, I've liked what the they've been doing with kind of their online content. In terms of like we've had the kind of the yeah. COVID episode and then the, uh, the the Black Lives Matter stuff addressed slightly on the on the online content that they've been putting out. I mean, listeners would have heard the episode that you did uh, a couple of weeks back about those mm-hmm. kind of online clips. And who's to say that those will end just because the show is ending? They could continue to do those, and I think those have been pretty effective in terms of addressing very uh, timely topics. Agreed. And if you haven't listened to that episode of uh, me with uh, Cash Cash and Wacky Deli, uh, check it out. I'm really proud of how that ended up. Uh, Viv also has a couple of ideas of 
episodes of For the Kids, and we are going to be listening to our patrons very soon, and we'll get into that near the end of the show, but thank you, Viv. Appreciate your email. One here from Funis regarding ECL Flash Forward. I was wondering if you guys would consider doing a Flash Forward episode about the fourth episodes of Season 20 titled Serial. It's an important subject that's as much a part of our lives as the other previous topics, Uh, only this time, you don't have to worry about any baggage or controversy. The episode has to do with podcasting. In fact, it's one of my personal favorites of all the Flash Era Arthur episodes, since it not only keeps with the spirit of the show, but presents this cultural subject in a way that doesn't try to aim for relevance or try to be hip. Uh, Not only does it present podcasting as a part of our age, but it also touches on how this platform can be abused for someone's own personal gain, which again is classic Arthur showing us the good and bad of our entertainment outlets and mediums of communication. I also think you guys could do this as a flash forward to hear about how you relate to podcasting and what the episode means to you from experience. And on a personal level, since my best friend and I are going to be starting a podcast of our own soon, it'll be us reading manga and our takes on our favorite books, games, movies, and anime. You two, along with other podcasters, have been a big inspiration for us, and I hope my friend and I can reach the level of fun and openness ECL offers. Well, ECL flash forward always on the table. I re- <laughs> I'm always a little worried that we're going to be can't like it's um it's kind of a gamble, I guess because we could cannibalize an episode from season 20 to do right now or we could wait but that's like x amount of years away <laughs> so. I, I think we, i think we do gotta wait but i will say of the episodes of the flash era um when i first heard about it i remember when that episode was first airing um that is by far the episode i'm most looking forward to watching in the flash era I, I mean, that sounds really cool, so now I'm interested in... I might just watch it for fun, but uh, we'll see, we we will see. Uh, stay tuned, true believers, and who knows? We You may hear it sooner than later. We'll, we'll just have to find out. And our final email is from Mary, who's not yet caught up on all of our episodes, but wanted to tell uh, us how much she loves the podcast and the Patreon episodes. My sister and I still watch Arthur together in our mid-20s, quoted all the time, I'm a 911 dispatcher in a large metro area, and I listen to the podcast at work to calm myself after bad calls and stressful shifts. Thanks for all you do. You guys rock. Thank you, Mary. That is a really tough job, and I'm super proud of you for doing it, and uh, I'm glad that we can uh, help to kind of uh, center you after, my goodness, that must be a tough job, especially these days, eh? Oh my goodness, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, sorry guys, this is a quick, quick, we, we've, our tunnel to the fun zone has, uh, uh, collapsed momentarily, but do you know what? I got my <laughs> spade. Um, we're going to give, uh, Emily her due props and back to the fun zone we go. Yes. Thank you very much, Mary, uh, for Mary. all you do. Uh, and uh, we'll be getting back to you in just a moment. Uh, thanks, everybody, for your emails, elbitcitylimits at gmail.com. We do always love hearing from each and every one of you. Keep in mind, if you do email us, we may have to editorialize it a little bit for length or for clarity, but uh, normally we don't have to do too much of that. And something we don't editorialize for length is the patrons that we have over at patreon.com slash elwoodcitylimits who got to hear our latest episode of For the Kids on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which we had a great time uh, talking about. And coming up next, well, I'll save that for the end of the episode, but we have new patrons, including the likes of Hannah Kitten, who joins us. We also have the person who emailed us, Mary Archambault. We also have names like Alistair, Nicholas DeMarco, Valeria, Lawrence, Mason Bishop, Daniel Uptograph, Joe Low Flo, Ursula Cat, Michelle Sprzinski, Owen, Lee Goldson, Lion Dog ZXA, EJ Acra, Christine Cody, Greg Hagai, Yoshi, Lily W, Melissa Avales, Andrew Power, Matt, Pretty Cool Stairs, Marlo Stanfield, Rachel Pearson, Michaela Gibson, Kristen, Sierra S, Kat, Aaron DeFilippo, William, Shana Bennett, Caitlin Harrington, Kaylin Krogall, Kevin Noon, Jake Bailey, Macy Ball, Riley Stevens, Joe Sue, Christine Wong, Stella, Froppy, Emily Kay, Shander LaFave Boten, John Griswold, Teresa, Dan Mike Dawson Silva, Light Relentless, Ian Collis, John Dulong, and all alone on page two, Leanne S. Thanks, everybody. We do appreciate you uh, helping us out, and there will be soon a poll for a For the Kids episode that will be decided on by patrons. So if that sounds like fun to you, you can always join us. But we've always got cool stuff on the Freed Feed, too. 
I am drooling so much today, so I apologize if I slurp in the microphone. I've just got a excess buildup of of uh, of liquid, of an excess buildup of thoughts. I've got. It's been a long time since we've watched Arthur, so I'm ready to get into it. No, I I found myself really looking forward uh, to these week's episodes and. Um, not to spoil our final thoughts, but I think in some ways they delivered. So, yeah, I'm excited to chat about it. Well, let's do it. Let's talk about our first story, which is called Unfinished. And the cold open very quick with this one. There's not a whole lot to say other than Arthur's being dragged to something he doesn't want to go to that is very adult-focused. Now, did they actually address what this is that he's going to? What this no, event is? I uh, I found myself wondering that too. I I, I assumed because once uh, Arthur starts talking to the older guy in the library, it's like a retirement party or, or like a party for them, right? Um, because he's moving out of that house, and that's where the the party is taking place. But they never really explain what this quote unquote adult, boring, grown up party is uh, that they're taking Arthur to. What did you think it was when he was there? I'm not sure. When Arthur was complaining about going to a boring party, I'm like, dude, Arthur, listen, is it going to be open bar? Like, what kind of situation are we walking into here? This grown-up party. You know, you say grown-up party to me, I start to think it sounds like a kind of a good time. So I wasn't sure what they were going to, but everybody was dressed really formal. Like, it looks like it was going to be like a wedding or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was a timeshare meeting at first. <laughs> like a timeshare presentation. Like oh something. God. Just something like boring, even to you and me, even though it does seem to have a party atmosphere. Um, it's, it's just like I just pictured what's the most boring thing that we would have to do, get dressed up nicely to go to. But no, nobody really wants to be there. And I was thinking timeshare. But One time uh, my parents, uh, I was in Mexico. This was when I was really young. My family was in Mexico and this guy was like giving them like a good deal on like a rental or something. If they uh-huh. sat in on this like timeshare presentation and even like as a 11 year old, um, me and my sister were like, please don't do this. There's no way that this <laughs> is going to like work out the way you guys want it to. And they were stuck in that timeshare presentation for two hours and had like a miserable time while we waited in the lobby and used the free public Wi-Fi. Um, and then eventually, oh my gosh, the cops are coming. The timeshare cops are, are coming to take me away for telling this story. Um, so as they go by, uh, so eventually we've waited all day to get this rental car and the rental car was like a VW Beetle with no body work. So it was like the exoskeleton of the car, but like, for instance, like the door didn't actually have like metal. It was just like the frame of the door. Oh no. And there was no, uh, uh, there was no, uh, seatbelts in the vehicle either. And, uh, as we were picking up this vehicle, uh, the gentleman at the desk had hooks for hands. So like two hooks, what? like, like no Captain way. Hook, but on, on both sides. This um, didn't happen. This, no absolutely way. Hap- uh, this absolutely happens. This absolutely happens. You could ask any member of my family. And then um, the guy, there was like this family of people um, who were also uh, just got back from like renting scooters from these guys. And they were like, don't rent from these people. They're crooks. Like the scooter broke <laughs> while my like grandma was on it and she fell. Like it was this crazy situation. Oh my um, lord. They still rented the car. It was really dicey, but you know, we got around whatever island we were on. Um so all's well ends well, I suppose. But yeah, that's the danger of timeshares. It turns out I love I love this. So art this is such a relatable little kid situation when you're being dragged to something that's absolutely not going to be fun for you, but you have to go anyway. Uh and dad's like, it's only going to be a little a little while when they're driving in the car. And Arthur says, how long's a little while? Does not answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and yeah, just, it, the cold open just basically ends with Arthur being like, this is going to be boring. And he's basically feels like he, he has to stay in the house. Everybody's kind of outside at like this garden party. And Arthur's wicked bored. But he comes across a book that is called 93 Million Miles in a Balloon. And it was kind of accidentally thrown on the floor by this old fellow who you mentioned before, who's kind of organizing the books because he and his wife are moving out of their house. And he asks, he asks Arthur, why aren't you out at the party? And Arthur says, boring old people. Which and uh, so he, he Arthur asks him why he's not at the party. And he res- responds with boring young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a fun kind of quid pro quo. We see these two people at kind of different ends of their lives, both 
just fed up with, you know, middle-aged boomers. <laughs> so Arthur gets really into reading this book, which is all about the adventures of Dr. Gustavius Bowles, who is a balloon explorer. And I looked it up. It's supposed to be kind of a takeoff on the Jules Verne type of story. I've never read Jules Verne myself, but I I know that I, I, I'm familiar-ish with the trope of like, oh, yes, flying machines and balloons and all that kind of stuff. And the, the innovation of flight and where technology will take us is kind of the themes of a Jules Verne story. Yeah, specifically the story Five Weeks in a Balloon. Um, it's, it's kind of like a take on that, but for me, like this whole aesthetic, like I, I, I haven't kind of interfaced with the, the Jules Verne, uh, kind of canon, uh, from the source, but I've seen a lot of things that are like inspired by that kind of stuff, right? Like this really reminded me of say the movie up or, yeah, uh, sure. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, or th- those kind of things, kind of adapt the the Jules Byrne aesthetic and repurpose it. Or Back it. to the Future Part Three for me. That's what I think of. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The maybe the maybe the best Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I I kid, not sort of. Um, well, speaking of you know interfacing with an aesthetic or an idea. We've talked before about how you feel like, you personally, Lucas, feel like they're getting away from doing different types of illustrations or um, vi- visual styles on Arthur. But, you know, there we spend minutes in this story about Dr. Gustavius Bowles and this young kid who kind of follows him along on his balloon adventure as he goes across the world. And it's in a very distinctive style. What did you kind of make of this? So yeah, I love this. Um, this is, I think, one of the kind of failings of this episode is it makes the, the well, it's a failing and a strength of this episode is that it makes the kind of fantastical B plot, this story within a story about um, the Doctor Gustavius and and this kid going on this balloon trip, mm. almost more engaging than kind of <laughs> Arthur's plight throughout the episode because yeah. al- already kind of the magic. The, the, the kind of uh, fantastical adventure that they go on where already it's kind of this really interesting sci-fi premise where they get on this balloon and he like goes through a waterfall and then all of a sudden they appear in India. Um, and this is already kind of like this kind of sci-fi conceit where I'm like, oh my goodness, they're going through like these portals. They keep ending up in these different places. And I was actually really engaged by and intrigued with like what was going to happen with this story, which is intentional, of course. Because the whole story of this episode is that um, Arthur wants to know how this story ends, and it works all the more better that the audience wants to know how this story ends. But it also kind of works against the episode in a way, because I'm like, can we get back to Dr. Gustavius, please? That's interesting you say that. Um, to I mean, to me, it all felt like it was hard, it was hard for me to kind of get into these parts. And, and I, don't, I don't mean that in like a you know, in a way that, like, it was bad or something, but it's just like, oh, yeah, this is, like, typical adventure story. Very appealing to, like, a a young boy like Arthur, but for me, it's like, eh, I kind of, I don't know enough about the story, which is the idea, but but I'm glad it worked, I'm glad it worked so well to you. I I had the note, it seems so novel uh, to spend, have an episode of Arthur spending a lot of time on Arthur reading an interesting book. Like, when is the last time that's happened? No, it's true. That's a very much like a season one to three kind of Arthur. We, we we see kind of Arthur escaping into the, the world of literature a lot more in those episodes. Uh, yeah. So this was almost a nice throwback. And and like your original question stated, like the the change in art style, albeit a little bit more subtle, but we it, they kind of change the way the characters are shaded. We have this kind of crisscross shading around everything. Yeah. It reminded yeah, but- me of kind of the way Rupert looks. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yes, I know what you're talking about. They kind of do this type of stitching. They've done it before when they go into, like, different types of storybooks. I feel like they did it in one of the earlier seasons uh, when they do that. But it really, it does work to help make it feel, it feels like it's made, the whole scene is made of, like, terry cloth or something. Mm. There's a there's a very distinctive visual vintage to it that is uh, very enjoyable to look at. So Arthur is in engulfed in this story and you know as as mom and dad ask him you know say it's time to leave he's like no let's stay for longer but thankfully he gets to just take the book with him so that was nice of uh that old fella so arthur keeps reading the book he's reading it after bedtime it's getting to a really good part and then all of a sudden the last few pages are torn out of the book 
and Arthur doesn't know how it ends, and it's right as Dr. Gustavius is about to sail his hot air balloon into the sun. Just go with it. Is it just me, or do you find this episode is Arthur acting a bit more younger than usual? Because oh, when Arthur... I I was fed up with the way Arthur was acting in this episode. Like, from the jump, like, him going to this party and his complaining and his acting, asking his questions. uh, Like, it's not... Listen, it's good to be inquisitive, especially in a child. You should always uh, kind of try and foster that inquisitiveness. But Arthur's acting downright petulant in some parts of this episode. Yeah, it was almost... Some of the behaviors are more akin to DW. What really struck me was when he reaches the end of the book, he, like, it's literally the middle of the night, and he's like, Mom! Dad! And, like, they run into his room, and just like, Arthur, like, okay, be cool, man. Like, just save this for the morning. Can't you... Can't you wait? It felt like a DW move more than an Arthur move. Yeah, we get a lot of Arthur throwing his head back and screaming in this episode. (laughs) Yeah, it was weird. It was weird. It just didn't feel like... Felt like it's he's kind of too old for that. Anyway, Arthur's very upset about this, and they're gonna do they 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 kind of say the whole thing of like they call they call the owner, and he says he doesn't know what happened. He doesn't know what happened at the end of the book, but something to do with flying into the sun, which is the least helpful thing. <laughs> um, so Arthur finds a copy at the library. That's his first go to, uh, but unfortunately, somebody borrowed it ten years ago and never brought it back. But if they ever do bring it back, Miss Turner says that uh, she will happily uh, revoke their library card. I did like here. So like Arthur's next thing is he gets the idea to go online. I love how he casually referenced stuff like you can try buying the book online. And then that doesn't work because it's like available on eBay for like a thousand dollars and it's the only copy. But then uh, Arthur's like, why don't we check a message board and see if somebody knows anything? And mom's like, good idea. So I like how we are. We have moved to the point, Arthur, where we can casually reference stuff like like eBay and message boards. Like it feels a bit more. It feels a bit more modern. It feels weird. I'm like, ooh, Arthur, watch what you read on those literary message boards. You're gonna get people being like, oh my god, you're reading this trash. I only read Nabokov, and 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 you know, I only read uh, uh, Infinite Jest and The Gravity's Rainbow. I'll loan you one of those books. You got to be careful what you read on you know slash lit or what have you. Um, they might not be as helpful now as they maybe would have been in the early 2000s. Uh, or, or you, or you go, or you take a wrong term and you get Dr. Gustavius Bowles, uh, slash fiction. Exactly. You get even wronger turn and it's like, yeah, actually, uh, this book you're looking for, Arthur, it's a QAnon text. Uh, <sighs> I read some theories about this book. There's Ugh. secret messages in it. Um, oh, who knows? Who knows where Arthur could end up on the World Wide Web? But luckily, yeah. they happen to find a lady that lives in their neighborhood, kind of Kijiji, or for an American listeners, Craigslist esque. Uh, she wants to give him a copy. And did you notice this? Will they kind of yeah. swindle this woman? Because that book was w- online for a thousand yeah. bucks. Yes, it's like if uh, I realized someone down the street had like. The NES uh, uh, Nintendo tournament cartridge that was like <laughs> the special one that only had like Mario and Tetris and and whatever other or, game and it's worth like, like ten grand or, like, or whatever or like the win- the Winter Games cartridge exactly, or something exactly exactly that's what I felt like I was like oh my god this woman doesn't know she's holding on to gold and what this did, family is just going to swindle her what did they offer her do you I, I think don't, she I don't just said remember. he could have it. <laughs> Man, well, I mean, given the condition that it's in. Well, so that's the thing is, is we then realized that the book is in shambles because she had like 18 kids and they drew all over it, which was a very funny. First of all, it was funny. I was like, why are they pointing out how many kids this woman has? And then it was a very funny gag where Arthur just kind of looks through the book and so close, but yet so far it's, it's scribbled all over. But for a second there, I was like, Arthur and his mom are perfectly fine with cheating this woman, (laughs) this elderly woman who has many mouths to feed out of a thousand bucks. (laughs) <laughs> well what she doesn't know won't hurt won't hurt her i guess <laughs> but we did miss one thing is that they managed to find a track down a 16 millimeter print that of the movie oh 93 yeah million miles in a balloon I which they, about this. <laughs> so first of all could you were you ever are you or were we ever able to rent 16 millimeter prints 
from anywhere, like a no. library or an archive or something? I feel like uh, they don't rent those. At, at a library or an archive, you might be able to borrow a 16 millimeter print. They have weird mm. stuff in library archives. Like, I know even, like, our local, like, if you go to Halifax Central and you ask to go into, like, the archives, they have yeah. some really wild stuff back there. Though I'm not sure if you're allowed to take it home. I think they have, like, a 16 millimeter uh, camera there at the actual space that you could put things into, but I'm not really sure. Uh, mm. But no, yeah, you can't roll up to a blockbuster and get a big old canister of flammable film uh, and, and then and put it up. The stuff with the 16 millimeter was really fun because the basically the main gag, there's a couple gags going on. One of the gags is just that the 16 millimeter is, camera is so loud, the projector is so loud that nobody can hear <laughs> yeah. each other. Like Buster keeps yeah. like screaming to be heard. Um, yeah. And then the other funny thing is that in typical old Hollywood fashion, the story has been barely adapted and it's just been turned into like a black and white musical. Well, it also it, this felt like as much as we modernized the episode with like message boards and stuff like that, this felt like a relic of like back in the day when I, I'm thinking it's like a comic book fan. And it's like, oh, did you know that they made a movie out of Swamp Thing? And it's just like, no way. And then you track it down. And it's like, oh, it's terrible. And that's the only other Swamp Thing you have besides the comics. And so this is like, literally, the only other thing besides the book is this movie. And it's such a loose adaptation of the story that it barely even fits anymore. And that's it. So I will say, I mean, though, now that I'm in my kind of my my letterboxed uh, Criterion channel subscription days. Yeah, uh, this this seems like a kind of movie I would be watching. I'd this be like, the, Ooh, this, look at this. This seems like very gold diggers of 1937, which is a great musical, by the way. I definitely recommend you check it out. But like cutting that same sort of like old Hollywood musical cloth. But that's not at all what Arthur wants. He's like he's like big and enough to his friends. It's like, yeah, he flies to the sun and has all these cool adventures. And it's a musical about like a young ingenue who flew from like the cornfields of Idaho to make it big in Hollywood. By the way, there's a character in the movie who is the movie producer whose name is Dune Smith Bugsby Brown. Oh my god. Which is a fantastic name. Such a good name. I it's so funny that like a sight unseen Arthur invited all his friends to watch this with him. Like even the movies from this era that I really like. For instance, like take for something like City of the Rain, right? Legendary movie. Yeah, oh, great uh, movie. But if I was how old is Arthur? Eight? Yes. Yeah, if you're eight and you throw that on, you throw Singing in the Rain on uh, for you and all your homies. Uh, yeah. Hey guys, Singing in the Rain light, you gotta come over, bring the Mountain Dew, we're gonna have a great time. It would probably <laughs> go over just about as well as this goes over. I think you're right. And uh, especially because Arthur didn't know how what he was, like he thought he was gonna get one thing, but then was completely hoodwinked. Um, I will say though, um, doesn't matter what age you are, everyone gets hyped for the part where the guy does the backflip during "Make Him Laugh." That's always <laughs> impressive. Oh man, that's I mean, "Singing in the Rain" is such a great movie. Like it's <laughs> so it and the movie in the movie I mentioned before, "Gold Diggers" in 1937, were movies that I watched in film in film school and were in my film minor. And is "Gold Diggers" of '97? Is that the "Where in the Money"? Is that that movie? I think it might be. Okay. I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it in a long time. But those were movies I went into being like, how good could this possibly be? Like, you know, it's an old musical. Ugh. And then both of them, like, I was floored by how great they are, especially Singing in the Rain. Holds up, you know, 70 years later. It's so good. I want to watch it again now that you say that. Uh, what is, what's also funny is that everybody has different objections to the movie, and they kind of don't make sense. Like... Uh, Muffy, Muffy says that she would rather watch a musical than a, you know, a boring story about flying to the sun anyway. Francine's I wrote down, she says, I don't think it's right to make movies about flying into the sun. What if some poor kid tried to imitate it and got hurt? I was, uh, Which is like, watching this episode like, with my roommate and a friend, by the way, and that got the hardiest chuckle out of the, uh, the whole watch was Francine saying, you know, what if the kids imitated and tried to actually fly into the sun? It was very funny and was also like the biggest, one of the biggest Karen moments we've had uh, watching this show, I think, which is just like, what? That doesn't even make sense. And then, of course, we get brain with like, well, and also balloon couldn't fly to the sun anyway. Just like, shut up, shut up, shut up. You know, just him him being him, as he usually can only be. Was Buster kind of into it? I think he might have been. I don't, I honestly don't remember. I just remember Buster yelling. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> um, and then unfortunately, this is this is the part where uh, Arthur's mom brings his jacket up, the jacket he was wearing to the place where he got the book. And it turns out that after it went through the laundry, she found the missing pages and they went through the wash. So then that leads them to the getting the book from the big family. And this kind of like and it's all drawn over in crayon and all the of course, the missing pages are basically useless. Arthur can barely read them. So he's very depressed because this is the this was the last chance he had to get to get to this book. And his dad gives him the the I mean, the main thrust of the episode, which is right here at the end. Really, this is basically it. Arthur's been having these kind of dreams about, you know, talking to Dr. Gustavius and being like, uh, don't worry, I'll find out where we go next. Like, I will find the rest of the story. So now dad gives him the idea of, well, maybe you can decide where the story goes from here. You can use your imagination and make your own ending. To which Arthur, which kind of fits. I mean, it's, it's, it is a little bit of a cop-out. Yeah. But at the same time, it, it, but at the same time, it fits because, like, this is the same kid who wrote, like, his own treatment of Robin Hood. So true. If that if it's the only option he's got, and Arthur decides to take solace in it, and he has one more final dream, which is a very uh, poignant closing line where he says, uh, "It doesn't matter where he. It doesn't matter where we're going. I'll like I'll go with you no matter what. Sometimes people can't tell you the answer to something. You have to find out for yourself." Which is kind of a big thing to like throw in the middle of a kids' show. So I applaud them for kind of a uh, a nuanced sort of. Uh, uh, idea like that one like I had to think about that for a while afterwards I I did feel a little bit disappointed I could see this coming I was like there's no way yeah. they actually tell us how the ending is and I bet the moral is going to be you know you should come up with your own ending uh so I wasn't surprised uh nevertheless I think one of the problems was I was so invested in the story I was like how are they gonna get through this flying into the sun situation that I too uh, I, I was like, I, this is not good enough for me. I don't want to just uh, 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 write my own ending in my head. I don't want to just make fan fiction. I want to know how, what's the canon ending? Hmm. Well, I think that's funny. I think that's kind of the two different ways that we interacted with this, where I was like, okay. Like, I, 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 I definitely see where it's not quite the conclusion that you would want. But for me, I was like, no, I, I, I'm okay with that. That works for me. And I and I I kind of saw the macro of it, uh, of the message they were kind of trying to go for. I just kind of applaud them for something that was a bit headier than I would have expected in an Arthur episode. And we are going to talk about something that's a little bit less heady. But my goodness, it this is cho- this is going to be chock a block. I think our next story, and we'll be getting to it right after this. Hey everybody, it's Lucas from the Elwood City Limits podcast, and if you love ECL, there's a couple of ways to keep up with us. You can go to facebook.com slash elwoodcitylimits, at ECL podcast, that's our Twitter. We take questions on Tumblr, it's elwoodcitylimits.tumblr.com. There is an Instagram as well, Elwood City Limits on Instagram. Of course, if you want to donate to the show and get exclusive content, whether that's our full-length commentary of the Arthur movies, our brand new... New, uh, bi-weekly PBS Kids Review Show, as well as our video game movie reviews with the Sonic movie review and Pikachu movie review. You can check out patreon.com slash Elwood City Limits. Uh, and that's also going to get you access to the Elwood City Limits Discord, which me and Will like to post it from time to time. And if you want that sweet, sweet Elwood City Limits merch, check out teespring.com slash stores slash Elwood hyphen city hyphen limits hyphen store. You can listen to the podcast at libsyn.com slash Elwood City Limits, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and there's other podcast apps like Stitcher. And if we're not on your favorite app, let us know. And where can you let us know? Well, that's going to be at ElwoodCityLimits at gmail.com. That's also where you can send us a question and we'll read it on the show. Finally, if you want to support the podcast, the best way to do so is to tell a friend who likes animation or Arthur or just podcasts in general and to go to our iTunes page and rate us out of five stars. Apparently, that helps podcasts out. Bye, everybody. DW Bossy Boots. So we, it feels like every second or third episode, we get a second story that is DW focused. And we've kind of said before that um, it's, it feels, it, it feels even 
the those stories feel like they are aimed at an audience that's somehow even younger than uh Arthur than like the typical Arthur viewer. So I haven't been like super into it, but we might be onto something here. So I knew that I was probably going to like this episode from the opening. This was one of those openings where I was like, "Oh yeah, this is going to be a funny one." And it's Arthur with this like Geiger counter machine mm. uh that basically measures uh bossiness. Right. And so we get these kind of these these vignettes of him measuring different people's level of bossiness. Again, it makes the noises of a Geiger counter as, a, as if a bossiness is like some level of radiation or something. Uh, so <laughs> Arthur's dad, a little bit bossy. You know, he, he leads by example. I'll do the top row dishes. You do the bottom row. Hard mm-hmm. but fair, Arthur remarks. That's a four on the scale. Arthur's mom... Uh, is bossy by not seeming bossy at all. Like, hey, Arthur, do you want to push Kate? She loves it when you push her. Barely a one. Hmm. Um, mi- Hardly registered. Mr. Rapper, deep in the red. He's just telling them what to do for homework on the weekend. Uh, uh, the needle's deep in the red. And I saw this. This is another one that I... This is one of those gags where I saw it coming, but I was so happy it gave me exactly what I wanted. DW barely does anything. DW swings open a door and tells Arthur to get the out of the way. And already the machine is broken. Just explodes yeah. in like a it's cogs and smoke everywhere. Much like the real Chernobyl, uh, where they thought <laughs> that the the readings were only at a certain level because that's the highest level the readings could conceivably go to. Uh, DW is so bossy, uh, you're not even able to get a correct reading on her because it's way off the scale. So that that primes us that primes upon pretty well for what the episode is to to come, but the surprises did not stop there. I also I also did like the the bossy meter kind of thing. I, I appreciated that that Arthur was intuitive enough to recognize the different styles of parenting <laughs> that his that, that his mom and dad do. I thought that was actually really cool. Gave us a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. So it is a DW episode. She is very insistent that. For Emily's birthday, she should get a a doll of Marie Antoinette, or as DW calls her, Marie Antoinette. Uh, it's like, you know, it has five different phrases, it has different costumes, all that kind of stuff. So she's very insistent that mom buy it for um, Emily's birthday. Because Emily's birthday party, where assumedly she's turning five as well, is French-themed. Now... I was thinking about this while we were watching this episode. It's always kind of been Emily's thing that she's like a Francophile, right? Like she's got the French nanny. Her family always takes trips to France. Um, Treeps, yeah. And I feel like this was also just kind of a thing. And we might have talked about this before. But in the early 2000s, one of like the go-to girl aesthetics, you know, when we've heard about things like horse girls, you know, everybody knows about horse girls. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's like MySpace girls, girls who got way into like My Chemical Romance. Um, mm-hmm. But there, yeah. there's an aesthetic that I don't think exists anymore, but at the time was a big thing, was just like Paris girls. Where like when you were a young girl, one of the things that some young girls were just into was just France. And they would have like uh, bedspreads with the Eiffel Tower on them. And the way their room was decorated was very like, there was like this obsession with France from young women that doesn't really exist anymore. The same way that like horse girl is still a, a standby. You'll, you could, you could find a horse girl on any block of the suburbs will, but I don't know if the, the, the French, the French girls thing has kind of gone away the way of the, uh, you know, the pink inflatable furniture and all that other kind of classical early 2000s girly stuff. That was very much a an early 2000s phenomenon because we see these kind of characters in multiple shows. I was thinking about uh, Nanette M. Noir from uh, Angela Anaconda. <laughs> from Angela Anaconda, yeah. Yeah, Minnie Pooh, very um, reminiscent of kind of Emily's whole shtick. Um, yeah, yeah. Speaking French at DW at this French feed party, despite being just as much of an Elwood City resident as DW is. There's also the forgettable and regrettable uh, teen comedy Slap Her, She's French, which came out in the early 2000s. Well, as, as I'm married to somebody who I would call a Francophile, because uh, my wife can speak French and speaks often and uh, 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 often and at length about her love of Paris. I think it, I feel like it's an interest that never truly goes away, but maybe goes on the back burner mm. for for men and for for men and women and people of all genders alike. 
by, by the way, so let's talk about Emily's party here. Did you see that Eiffel Tower cake? Yeah, lots of stuff at this party. So we have the, the dancers come out, um, and they all lift Emily up. And already I'm thinking, man, this five-year-old birthday party is extra. And then the mime comes out. I was kind of into the mime. I was like, this is cool. The kids, I feel like the mime doesn't go over super well with the kids. Uh, but I was like, Ooh, I kind of like this. And then they're watching Ford movies. Again, another, uh, situation where we break out the projector, um, Emily's making them all watch some sort of like, it's, it's not like Godard or something, but it's, it's definitely like a send up of like foreign cinema where there's girls running after a yellow balloon. This part was great with DW being like, why is the balloon yellow? Why did they make the whole thing in color? Why is there no sound? <laughs> this was funny. I I did like how even even Arthur the show has to get in the classic everybody hates mimes gag, um, which just se- which just seems it just seems like the easiest two pointer of comedy that practically every cartoon ever has done. I I had the note here because again I know that you're on your letterbox kick as am I. DW not a fan of Truffaut, perhaps. <laughs> So, yeah, DW is voicing her kind of displeasure with all the things that Emily has for her birthday, which Emily's into. She, like, cries at that movie. And then she's going to blow out the candles on her cake, and then DW does it for her and says, hurry up already before you turn six. Yeah, this is where DW starts to get pretty brutal. Like, I know we have some listeners are are kind of into the DW character. Some listeners find her a little bit mu- too much sometimes. I usually fall more on the side of I get a kick out of, of DW. I like the characters that uh, create conflict more so than I like the ones that are that don't, uh, just because they make mm. for interesting episodes. But right here, oh my goodness, and I know this is the point of the episode, but DW just goes on a tear. She, she d- demands that Emily blows out her candles quicker. She unwraps her present for her, and then... As Emily's looking at the box, she grabs it out of her hands and starts playing with it for her, showing her the other correct way to play with it. The thing that I took that I took away from this particular part was that poor Emily has had it instilled in her by her parents that she is not to rip any of her paper. Did you notice her neatly folding it and putting it aside? Because you gotta save it. That's how I grew up around birthdays and Christmas. It was make sure that you open it carefully because we can save that wrapping paper and use it again. And now I'm an adult and it's just like, no, we're not saving anything. Rip and tear. It's like doom. Christmas is Christmas is like doom in my household. Rip and tear. Rip and tear. It's true. We I got plenty of newspaper, okay? That's what people are getting yeah. their presents in. It's kitschy, it's fun. I'm I'm getting the ASMR uh stimuli of ripping up this paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh so yeah, DW was a was a big old boss. And uh, hashtag hashtag DW boss. Hashtag girl boss and, DW. That's right. <laughs> um, but then we get to the point here where you know DW is looking for someone to play with the next day. She calls Emily. Emily makes up an excuse and goes to hang out with somebody else. DW calls James. He makes up an excuse. Uh, she tries to play with the Tibbles. And the Tibbles just run away screaming because they don't have they do because they don't have the points in lying like like in Fallout. They don't have the points in deception to fool her, so they just have to physically run away. Yeah, no. If, if the Tibbles were any D and D class, they would definitely be like a barbarian. Absolutely. There's no subterfuge to them. They're just completely directed to the point. So it was at this point where DW is having to literally pl- like play by herself. Like even Arthur is like going to the library and he's like, I thought you were going to play with your friends. So DW is like playing ping pong by herself. So this episode deals with the adult problem of being the one in the friend group that nobody likes. <laughs> when DW's playing ping pong by herself, there's a great detail that she like keeps looking back to see if the serve is still coming. Uh, even though it's obviously like God buyer, great visual gag. But yeah, not only does she she figure out nobody likes her after she's playing ping pong, she like or this might actually be before she's playing ping pong where she goes for the walk. And uh, yeah, this it's yeah it's after it's right after she goes for a walk, and this is like one of my worst nightmares is DW's walking by James having this pool party, and Arthur's like, oh, you should go play with them. He must be done whatever he was doing. Um, and they're just like the Tibbles to add insult to injury are like, guess who I am? And James is like, some sort of monster. He's like, even worse, DW. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so cruel in the way that kids can be, and it's also very like. I, I struggle to say relatable because I don't know if I've ever 
I guess the point is when you're DW in your friend group, you don't know it necessarily. Well, so this, but it is, this it, is the, the mark of true friends would tell you, okay? If you have, yeah. this is the thing. Kids would true. never do this. But in reality, like if one of my friends was like acted up at a birthday party and they were like, what are my good friends? Afterwards, I would take them aside and be like, dude, you were wildly out at this birthday party. You're taking someone's present out of their hands? What are you doing? Like, knock right. some sense into you. Um, instead, uh, you know, Tibble, typical tib- Twibble Twins, I suspect, being twins, the Tibble Twins are Gemini's. And typical Gemini, you know, James strikes me as a Libra. He's very conflict-averse. Typical Gemini-Libra behavior. They'll be nice to your face, but, you know, they're talking smack behind your back. Uh, <laughs> and that's what these guys are getting up to. And it is kind of, in a way, it's very cruel. You have to be cruel to be kind. It's kind of what DW needed. Because she comes to terms with the fact that none of her friends like her. <laughs> yeah, it's a little too bad. But DW, of course, is she's not really accepting that. She's just like, well, it's like, well, that's too bad for them. I'm gonna play, like, I'm gonna play by myself. But of course, it's no fun. She walks in on Arthur and Buster watching a mo- an old black and white movie called Children of the Beans. Oh my gosh, Children Wh- of the Beans! Lots of every movie parody in both of these two episodes from every black and white movie they've watched. There's like three in these two episodes are all great, and I all would rather just kind of know more about these movies. And this this one looked like it was a cross between Village of the Damned and Night of the Living Dead, with the naming convention of Children of the Corn. So, but we don't really get to see a lot of it. It's just about something to do with children who are multiplying or something to that effect. It seems awesome. <laughs> uh, there's a great line here. Arthur says, I thought you were going to play by yourself. And DW says, that was before I found out how boring I was. Ooh, what a which, mood. Oh, talk about relatable. It's like a yeah. Phoebe Bridgers lyric or something. <laughs> yeah, DW says that nobody wants to hang nobody wants to hang out with me and Arthur and Buster are remembering a time where James came to hang out with DW at Arthur's place and she was so bossy that she had to teach James ha- demand that James ride the the uh the pony, the little pony on the stick correctly. So that's kind of been their experience. I- I'm loving and- that we're getting more of the James character. You know, James is one of those characters that was really introduced late. Like, I feel like, when was James introduced? It wasn't until, like, season five or six, right? Yeah, it's been a, it's been a while. And-, and I love when we're getting more time from James, because James is so great, because he's so different from everyone else in DW's class. You know, DW is very brash. And, and kind of loud and extroverted, and, and the Tibbles even more so. Emily's got her, like, stuck-up French thing. James is a really great vehicle for, like, he's this shy friend that DW has, who's very unassuming and kind of kind, but uh, uh, keeps to himself. And the genius of the James character is that I think it's so cool that he's Molly's little brother. Because I'd love to see kind of what kind of relationship James and Molly would have later in life, because they're so different. You know, Molly is one of the most legitimately t- uh, intimidating characters. You know, she she backs up. You know, Binky scares people, but he's all talk. Molly is legitimately legitimately ready to throw down, um, and she's kind of like a punker. Uh, and so, and, and James's aesthetic is that he's kind of like this nerdy kid. Like, he looks like a McElroy brother. He's got his tucked-in shirt, his Oxford shirt, and his, his little wireframe glasses. And I think it's so cool that they live in the same household, and I'd love to see more of their relationship. Yeah, that's an interesting an interesting thing. Who knows? Maybe when we get to the end of Arthur and all grown up, we'll have a uh, who what is what is uh what is late in life James like? Uh DW also remembers being at her gymnastics class and they're doing the walk across the balance beam, but she messes it up and then says, "No, that didn't count. I'm going to do it again." And butts in front of the Tibble twins and the Tibble twins start fighting. And, uh, you know, Miss, uh, Miss Morgan is, you know, you know, says DW, that was not very nice. You should, you should apologize to them. And the Tibble twins instinctively go, sorry. And she says, boys, you haven't done anything wrong. We haven't? Which I thought was very cute. I, I liked that a lot. So this all leads to DW's summation. What she has learned from all these encounters is that it's everyone else who's no fun. <laughs> so she's not learned her lesson yet, but she does as she falls asleep in front of the TV, and then we see the meme. We get into the meme gold mine oh, that this episode is. This uh, this was I was already really enjoying this episode. Like I I was liking this episode quite a bit. Once we got into kind of being D W Malkovic, this was 
uh, more than I could have ever hoped for. So Arthur meme alert one: DW falling asleep in front of the in front of the TV with you know the I am a head out uh, look on her face, uh, which was it's it's again it's still buck wild to see these just come up naturally it's just like oh my god i did like as it was getting ready to happen i'm like oh my god this is it this is where it's from so i actually got excited so dw has a dream that somebody has come over to play with her and we don't see who it is but we see them from the back but they go to the you know the jungle gym and then the person forces dw out of the way and says me first and then we see it's actually dw in a different outfit and then we look across the playground and we see DW in other outfits being bossy to uh, DW Prime. And then we get Arthur Meme Alert 2, DW in basically every outfit we've ever seen her in in the entire show. And ones we haven't seen her in ever surround her. Yeah, this was incredible. I want to know more about Southwester DW. Like, Newfoundland DW is, like, definitely a character I would like to see more from. This this is just, I have, I keep pausing. I'm looking at the episode right now on silent, and I keep pausing. Every, no wonder this is, like, so, like, uh, such a rich vein for memes, because every single frame of this sequence is just uh, a, a joy. <laughs> like, it all looks well, so wild. <laughs> well, and you also see, like, I have the... I have the meme image and like I've seen this before with like me with my 50 50 different personalities or whatever. Um, And there's like there's DW with two different raincoats we've seen her in. There's DW dressed as uh, uh, little Dora, uh, not little Dora, um, little Thora from the from the flashbacks. There's like birthday DW. There's another birthday DW. There's DW in different types of pajamas. There's outfits we've never even seen before. Yeah, this is this it's is a, so... Avengers Age of Ultron but for DW fans. This is the most ambitious crossover known to man. This is amazing. So many outfits, Lucas. Uh I was amazed even beyond just seeing the meme in the wild. I was like, wow, this is actually really cool seeing because we always we always joke about when, you know, it's cool when we see the characters in different outfits and this is literally dw in like character creator if you went online and looked at all of the different fan uh costumes that dw's been put in there's so many of this is like if dw was a Fortnite character uh and they were trying to monetize all the skins right uh so the all of these dw's surround her and like are just loudly bossy at her and then DW wakes up on the couch. Arthur meme alert three. Definitely seen the picture of Arthur waking DW up, and she's got like the surprise look on her face. Now that is for some of the the <laughs> the 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 X-rated yeah. Arthur memes that I've seen. So it was cool to see it, but I was also like ugh, reminded of those ones. So not my favorite of the three meme alerts we've had, but still, my God, what a, what a rich vein we've tapped into. Uh, that leads us into the end of the episode where DW is back at gymnastics class again. And, and again, like a great, group great of... throwback. I feel like it's been a couple of seasons since we see DW in gymnastics class. I had honestly assumed that she had dropped it. Uh, it was right. nice to see this continuity of like, you know, the DW gymnastics. Is that season one or two? It's a super important episode for the DW character is, is DW joining gymnastics and the balance beam and all that stuff. So I'm glad to see that they're still bringing back some of that like season one lore. Yeah, that's a really good point. It, I, I think it might have been seen since, but I couldn't exactly remember. Ten seasons, you know. So, uh, um, DW encounters her friends, and they are like actively avoiding her, of just like, oh, here she comes. She's going to be bossy again. But then with Arthur's off-screen help, DW is able to silence her bossiness and say, no, please, you go first before me. I'll go last. And... Emily goes on the balance beam. She doesn't do so well the first time. DW has to kind of stop herself from being critical, so she's constructively critical. She said, "She says that was close. That was close to perfect. Why don't you try again? Try doing it with your arms out. That out- that always helps me." So our friends are very impressed by this turnaround, and uh, the episode ends with the Tibbles getting into a fight of who can be nicer. So. That's uh, that's where that ended up. Kind of a quick, kind of a quick conclusion, but uh, you know, it is what it is. Okay, Lucas, let's take a look at these episodes in uh, quick review here. So, unfinished. 
What did you think? Unfinished is interesting. I really enjoyed watching it, though it left me feeling, and ironically enough, a little bit unfulfilled. I uh, was, my negatives for this episode, I, I kind of talked about it earlier, that I, I know that it's the whole point of the episode that they don't give us a conclusion to the story, but I just felt like, you know, I'd prefer to see what happened if they flew into the sun. That's just me. The other thing is that <laughs> Arthur is particularly annoying in this episode. He's like acting True. like kind of petulant. Like he's acting, he's asking questions, and and I thought the moral of the story was to be like, oh, it's good to be inquisitive, but they're not like constructive or interesting questions. He's just being annoying. Like it's like a kid just going, why, why, why? Like and it, and it really got yeah. on my nerves. And also, there's a lot of like this I kind of found funny, but it's just kind of uncharacteristic for Arthur. You pointed this out. There's a lot of Arthur freakouts in this episode. Like there's three separate moments where kind of his his plan to figure out the end of the story is kind of uh uh foiled and he throws his head back and yells which is is a weird reaction for such a problem all that being said uh i really i kind of enjoyed this episode um the the parts with the adventure story i know it worked a little bit more for me than you but i was like wow they're going through these portals and showing up in these other places and what are they gonna do they're heading for the sun what does this mean like is the sun another portal are they gonna live are they gonna be incinerated so i was pretty engaged with that story um and i feel like those this whole episode doesn't really work if you the audience isn't uh, as interested in the end as arthur is um and i liked the old man i thought that was a fun throwaway character of the week uh him kind of stoking arthur's curiosity uh so it's it's hard for me to say overall i enjoyed talking about it i i think i had fun watching it but it still made me feel a little bit weird made me feel a little bit unfulfilled kind of annoyed with arthur so i'll say this is a pretty middle of the road episode all being said Okay, um, that makes sense. That makes sense, and I agree with a lot of what you said. I, I, I think I liked this a little bit better than you did. I think what really sticks with me is the way that they handled the message at the end, which I kind of already talked about, but it's like the the idea of people can't tell you the answer to something you have to find out for yourself. Like I'm still kind of thinking about it, and I'm going to be thinking about it for a little while longer. I was like, it's it's kind of, it's almost zen, and it's, and it's like... Uh, in it in its wisdom i suppose so i'm still thinking about it i think it was an interesting way to present this i mean i appreciated that arthur gets to kind of go nuts on a book which seems like forever ago that he would have done that again it's kind of we've been focusing away from arthur so much that when we get back to doing what the show's about it feels strange um and i did like the i did like the segments of 93 million miles in a balloon I just don't know if it captured my imagination the same way it did for you. And the whole hunt for it was interesting. Like, I didn't know where we would end up, so I found that it had a good kind of pace to it. Um, The only thing I would say is I do agree with you. I think Arthur is really um, uncharacteristic in strange ways in this episode, and it kind of makes it not so great. But I guess it's what they felt they had to do to get him to the places in the story they needed him to go to. So that's whatever. But uh, I did like this one, and uh, I, I... like I said, I'm going to be thinking about it for a while afterwards. DW Bossy Boots was one that I didn't expect to like at all because I've, again, our experiences with the DW centric episodes are kind of like mixed to trending negative because it feels like those are the episodes where they do messages that are for young, young kids. And it's just like, you know, it, it just doesn't hold up for myself as now. Now I am a 30-year-old man, so there's not a whole lot there for me. But it's like even for Arthur, sometimes the DW episodes feel like a little too young. And this one is also like the message is very simple of like not being bossy. But the way they do put it forth is at least funny. And I appreciate a good funny DW episode. You know, the whole – the ways that she's bossy, she's – She's bossy without being annoying. In fact, she's actually kind of charismatic in this role. So I think that worked out pretty pretty well. And when we got to the memes near the end of the episode, I was like, "Oh my gosh, this is like it, it was it was exciting." And uh, it, it provided a lot of energy to see me through to the end. So this is probably my favorite of the DW centric ones that we've been doing for the last couple of seasons that kind of deal with problems of her age bracket. And uh, yeah, this 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 was uh, this was just fun. 
Yeah, I think this might be one of my favorite episodes of this season. I love DW Bossy Boots. The episode's really like a series of set pieces, right? So we have the whole section at the French birthday party. Uh, We have kind of DW coming to terms with the fact that all of her friends hate her. Uh, Then we have her imagination sequence, and then we have the wrap-up at gymnastics at the end. And I thought... For different reasons, each one of those four individual set pieces really worked for me. I think the French birthday party is, like, a lot of fun because you get to see, like, Emily's insane French birthday party and they get a lot of jokes in culturally. Like, of course, they show the vintage movie. They have the mime. All that stuff's really good. Um, We have DW, like you said, being annoying enough that the audience is getting the message that it's like, okay... DW's being bossy. This is not the way you should act around people. But it's not so annoying that it's actually annoying to the viewer and off-putting where you want to turn the episode off. It's not X-Pac heat. It's just effective storytelling. Um, And then we kind of get this, like, gut-wrenching sequence of, like, DW being faced with her friends making fun of her behind her back, which is something that kind of, you know, kids probably have to deal with. Um, So it's it's, this is an interesting sequence where we go to, like, feeling bad for DW, where it's like, rough. I mean, you kind of deserve a DW, but this is always rough to hear. Um, I thought the ping pong was funny. Uh, And, of course, the, the star of this episode is the imagination sequence with the hundreds of DWs. I was, like, blown away. I was like, I can't believe this is the way they're conveying this. This is so fun. Um, So I really, really enjoyed DW Bossy Boots. It's one of those episodes where I kind of had a smile on my face the whole time. It's not often that a uh, children's cartoon can remind you of the ending of Bioshock Infinite, but there you have it. (laughs) So, yeah, positive feelings coming out of this episode, which is always good. I feel like season 10 got off to a bit of a... Uh, a rougher start, but uh, I'm interested in the episodes that we have left, and uh, well, we, we're going to be getting to them in due time. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody. That's been an episode of Elwood City Limits. Now, of course, it's going to be another two weeks before we're back. In the meantime, though, coming up next week on the Patreon for all of our Patreon subscribers, we're going to be talking about another PBS Kids show, and this is one that Lucas and I not only were you excited to talk about it, but we I say are I say are uniquely qualified to talk about uh the maritime's own theodore tugboat oh i'm so excited it's gonna be great and then in two weeks we will be back with another arthur episode here on the free feed we're gonna be talking about binky versus binky and operation dw is binky gonna be going through a divorce and a custody battle I didn't even think about that. You know what? I, th- I was thinking of spy versus spy, not Kramer versus Kramer, but I think I like I think I like yours better. I was just thinking about Binky giving a bomb to himself and then making the peace sign and laughing. But uh, no, uh, Binky, no, Binky and you, Binky going through a... Binky brushing a, a, his teeth horrend- with his son in the beer. That's what I was thinking about. <laughs> Well, we're going to have to wait and see. Of course, a Binky and a DW episode. We should be so lucky. Uh, This promises to be one that will at least be memorable and hopefully, fingers crossed, good all the way through. But we'll have to wait and see. Thanks again for joining us for Elwood City Limits. My name's Will Young. And for Lucas Mancini... That was before I knew how boring I was. (laughs) We'll see you next time. Stay safe and uh, be cool.